Trigger warning. This episode contains adult content and may be distressing for some listeners. Pride Across the Ages is a collaborative project to amplify and celebrate the voices of LGBTIQA living in central Victoria. All episodes were recorded on Jar Jar land and respectfully recognise that First Nations sovereignty was never ceded. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. My name's Stephen. I was born in a small town to the east of Melbourne in the hills called Warburton in 1953. So that makes me a baby boomer. And I identify as a gay man and my pronouns are he, him. Childhood. I had a lonely childhood is probably the best way to put it. And it was up and down. I felt very loved by my parents and I have two sisters and a brother who are all still living and school was mostly unpleasant for me like i felt sort of like an alien i think at school like a lot of queer people can and just being that the time that it was going to primary school in late 50s and i don't have very fond memories of primary school at all or high school there was that i never understood how horrible boys were and how they could be so horrible in 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 gangs So I never liked all that, and I spent a lot of time hiding. And I think that was probably the story a lot of gay men of my era would say. My family were very working class, country working class, and Dad was a truck driver, and Mum was a, a homemaker. And we moved to Queensland in about Form 5, which is the equivalent of, what, Year 11? And Dad got a job driving a truck for a road gang in Queensland for a road construction company. So we moved and that was a turning point in my life because I escaped school and it was wonderful because we're out, there were no fences. We went to the outback and I could roam for miles by myself. I developed a love early in life for the natural world because it was a comfort to me. It was a friend that I had during the loneliness. I I had great difficulty making friends because I felt like an outsider and I couldn't relate to the other boys and the majority of my friends at school were girls and I could relate to them much, much easier. But anyway, escaping to Queensland was good because I had this freedom and my mind relaxed and I could just, I would just roam in, into the bush and listen to music on my had a little cassette player. It would look really archaic now. And, uh, and so music was a gr- music and the natural world were my companions together. And even today when I'm, painting I'll play music and I'm transported into that sort of into that world again and I feel now that I've got older close to 70 that that there's a you start to reflect on your childhood and you can see the similarities they become clearer all of the excitement of the middle of your life starts to become less important and you become more reflective and that's how I think about it now I fell in love for the first time when I was 16 that the other boy didn't was I don't know whether he was aware of it. He might have been. He was a very kind and gentle boy. And so I I think um, it was love from a distance and unrequited. But it was probably more the admiration of his gentleness and coming across a 
another boy that was not aggro and sort of part of the pack. That was a nice thing. And I never felt bad about being gay. I knew that the world out there didn't accept it, that they saw something was wrong. But just deep down, I felt there was nothing wrong with me. I just knew, I don't know how I knew, but I felt that there was nothing wrong about the way I felt, but that there was the fear that was instilled in anyone at that time, if they were queer, that this was a no-no and you had to be very careful. And I think it, it made me develop an empathy for outsiders just in general, which I think it does for a lot of people. And I, one, of the, one of the very significant things I remember, we were living in the Gulf of Carmentaria in a place called Burketown, and we lived near an Aboriginal family. And we got to know the kids. And one day, I don't remember the context, but one of the girls, she would have been 10 to 12 or something like that. And I asked a question about something. And in my naivety, I said, I think her mum had some sort of mental illness or something. And the girl found it very difficult. The kids found it difficult. And I said in my naivety, why don't you go to the police? Stupid thing. To do. I was 16. And her reply, even when I think of it now, I get upset. And she said, I'm ashamed because I'm Aboriginal. And I thought, she's 10, 10 or, tw or 12 at the most. How could you possibly feel like that? And how can that, that self-worth be destroyed in a child like that? What sort of world does that to a child? And that impressed me immensely, that, that moment, and stayed with me. I hope that she went on to have a good life. That's all I can think so yeah there was the, that sort of the teenage years for me were a big awakening and making me aware of lots of things and I think this getting out of school gave me that space psychologically to go with that we came back to Victoria when I was 19 and I got my first job we moved back to home which was we were living in Hillsville then and I got my first job I think I was cleaning bottles in a lemonade factory but then I went on to probably the nicest job I've ever had. I worked as an animal keeper at the Hillsville Wildlife Sanctuary and that was really wonderful. And I started to meet people that had, you know, similar interests, nature. And there were some people there that were really into native plants. So that, that gave me an interest in looking into native plants. But I left there, I found a magazine, a left-wing magazine called The Nation Review and it was a revelation because there were ads in there for and articles about lots of left-wing subjects and interests. And that. and that was an amazing revelation. So I started reading lots of things about feminism and gay liberation. And I wanted to move to Melbourne really badly. I realised that the country was, as much as I loved the country, I realised that was the only thing. I had to do that or life would not move on. So I got a flat behind a Maltese family in an inner city suburb and I got a job on the buses as a conductor, training as a conductor. And I think I did that. I didn't do it for very long. And loneliness once again got to me and I felt very insecure as a country boy going to the city. I felt intimidated quite a lot and I just didn't know how to meet people. I felt I was not a country bumpkin, but I felt, yeah, just a little bit like I didn't fit in. So I moved back home again. And then one day I got the courage, once again in the Nation Review, I'd seen an ad for the Gay Liberation Centre in Fitzroy. And I got the courage, I drove down to Melbourne one afternoon and I must have walked around the block six times before I got the courage to walk up those stairs into the building. And I did. And I met two guys that were in there, I don't know, answering the phones or something or whatever on, the, on that night. 
And they became friends. They had a spare room at their place in North Melbourne, I think. And life just, from then on, that's when it all rolled on and I started to meet people and, yeah, it was, that's just how it happened. So just that magazine, that paper, it was a lifesaver in a way, really. I don't remember how I came across the paper. I'd imagine I picked it up on a trip to Melbourne somewhere and I started to feel safe and comfortable and I also started to feel I had something to contribute to other people's lives. And that was a lovely thing. And at the end of 1977, I met my future partner, Colin. And that's really when life took a wonderful turn because with Colin, I felt safe. I didn't have to justify things and that and Colin sent me back to finish my schooling to get my HSC and we lived in a house in North Carlton and I finished my HSC at Princess Hill High School as a mature age student of 24 so that that was wonderful and he had an old camera that he lent me and I developed an interest in photography and eventually went to art school and studied photography as a major and that was really wonderful, yeah. Fortunately, Colin was very positive about being gay as well. So that was a great boost. There was no issue with either of us having to push the other one. And I, I had very left politics, which I have retained. And Colin slowly absorbed some of my politics, and I suppose I, I absorbed some of his. And now we're, we're one and the same in that area. After art school, we both went into nursing. And Colin went on to have a career in nursing. I didn't. I did it for a while, but I found it too much like the army, what I, how I imagined the army would be. And I didn't like a lot of the hierarchy and the structure and the way nurses were actually belittled quite often, the doctors and, the, and that. So I returned to art school. I almost became a perpetual student, really. And this time I studied drawing and painting at the Philip Institute. And it was a wonderful time. Betty Church was the head of the art school at that time. And she was a very inspiring woman. And I made wonderful friends. And it instilled in me a, a real love. I'd always had a love of art, but this made it a passion, I think, for me. And which is, I never went on and had a career as a painter or anything, but it stayed with me as a lifelong love. We moved away from Inner Melbourne, not too far, and, uh, and then we became volunteers with the Victorian AIDS Council and during the late 80s and early 90s. And that was a very hard time, but we made, I, I think it was a time to solidify lots of our political beliefs around sexuality. And we made a lot of friends who felt the same about that, very strong ideas about sexuality and the need to force governments to be aware of our rights, the rights of all queer people. And for the first time we met lots of lesbians and that, so there was this diversity and it was wonderful. And people, you felt a real solidarity and some of those people we have since moved to Castlemaine, which is just amazing, it's the strangest town in that way. and. Eventually, as the 90s went on, Colin and I felt that we, we loved the city, but we just felt the need to move to the country. There was something calling us. We, did, we had bought some, some land at Bendigo, 
176 acres, which was ridiculous, but it was cheap. And we held on to that for, oh, I don't know, I think almost 20 years we had that. And eventually we went looking and we were in Dalson one day and a friend of Collins said, we've heard that Castlemaine is a good place for older gay men. And so we went looking and we, we found the place that we eventually bought and we haven't looked back. It's been absolutely wonderful. I just can't understand why, how Castlemaine is so unusual. It's just, there's no other town in the country, it seems like it. And why we've all been drawn here. I think its location on practical levels is it's on a train line. It's close to a large regional city. It's not that far from Melbourne. It's attractive. It's got this lovely hilly quality. It's old and it's historical. So all of those things make it appealing. But then when, when you take it to the fact that they're all such a diversity of people, the types, you know, there's artists and lots of queer people and all of the young families that have moved in that, that make it vibrant and it's very left-wing, which I like. And we've, made, we've never had so many wonderful friends and we've never had so many diverse friends. It's, it is really wonderful. And we've never had a moment's regret moving here. And I can't understand why anyone would want to move to Melbourne. I love Melbourne. I always will. But I don't want to live there anymore. And I love falling asleep with the quiet and waking up hearing the magpies singing. There's nothing beats that. And if I go back to that time when I felt totally alone and now to be surrounded by friends and to be aware of so many different lives and the stories that so many people have got that are different to what I went through but similar in the way they've had to deal with things in a way and I think back then as I said earlier you, you did feel an alien you didn't feel accepted now finally you do feel that that's it's solidifying a lot more. It's not totally there, of course. And things are cyclic, I realise. You only have to see the rot that's going on in America. But it, I feel very positive about it. And I feel positive for young people now. And I think that's the way it should be. Kids in school now should feel comfortable being who they are and not having to worry about what the other kids think or what will happen to them, the consequences of negative thinking and that and feeling comfortable enough to talk with their teachers and that they, that they can feel confident now that they'll be guided in a way that they want to go and that's a lovely thing and some people my age might feel envious of that that they miss that but I don't I just think that's the way it should be and that's and it's wonderful that's what it's like for kids now and it's only right I don't understand hatred and I don't understand how people can want to enforce their beliefs and their notions of how other people should behave and live their lives, that it's not their business. We all have the right to live our life the way we want to, in a way that doesn't hurt anyone, but can only benefit them in a positive way by following their path. And that is a wonderful thing. It is, yes. When the marriage equality came about, it was the federal government assumed they had an agenda that would it would be demolished in the vote and it so we were all nervous colin and i went along to the theater royal for the 
announcement, we all watched that big screen. It was full of people. And when they announced that it had passed, it was just wonderful. And there were total strangers coming up and hugging you. And Colin was a mess. He just, but it was beautiful. It really was lovely. And yeah, we got married the next year. Yeah. After 42 years, we got married. And we had a simple ceremony, initially just to get the piece of paper for the legalities of it. And, but, and we had a few friends along and we got married at Bendigo Courthouse and we were the first same-sex couple to be married at the courthouse. And that was wonderful. And then we had a, the next day, we had a big party. We hired the, the old tea rooms of the Botanic Gardens and we had a party for all of the people we knew and that was really lovely. And kind, kind friends helped set that up for us, which was just absolutely lovely. And, um, yeah, it was really wonderful. It really was. It, it, as a lot of people have said, that moment of being allowed to marry, you felt a sort of acceptance... But to a certain extent by the general society and that was a very good thing that I think we all needed that because for so long we've we felt like outsiders we didn't want to be outsiders and to have that was a real highlight in life I think really was just wonderful now that I've reached old age and if I reflect upon how I was as a child compared to now. I had no confidence as a child. I had no self-esteem. I don't think I felt worthless. I knew that I had potential and that life would get better. And now I can sink back occasionally into that sort of self-doubt because I think when you get burnt as a child and a cruel thing, and you know, that I, it makes me very aware of how important it is that children are not prevented from doing what's important in their life and the cruelty of that just upsets me immensely and now I think I've conquered most most of that self-esteem thing and I feel confident now because of the people around me because I think people around you the love you have from friends does give you a great sense of belonging and you know that you're worth something because you're engaging with them and uh, you share so much together and that's a wonderful confidence building thing that we all should have I think I don't enjoy growing old but I feel that it's okay to grow old because there's a safety in my life now and a comfort and a companionship Firstly, with my husband, Colin, who I love dearly, and he's the reason that my life turned around, and he's the reason that I have all the things that give me joy. And yes, I can confidently say that I feel comfortable and confident, and my self-esteem has never been better, I'd say. Yeah. If I could go back and give advice, talk to the 20-year-old the me, I would say, don't worry. It might feel awful now, but things do get better. Life always has the potential to get better. And just hang on to that, Stephen. This project was made possible with the financial assistance of Victoria's Pride Regional Activation Program and Midsummer Festival and with the support of the Mount Alexander Shire Council, the Mount Alexander Shire LGBTIQA Plus Steering Group, and the Queer and Now radio program on Main FM 94.9.
This podcast has been produced by the Queer and Now team, Shireen Clue and Amalie O'Hara at Main FM 94.9. Editing and original music by Amy Chapman. A big thank you to all participants for sharing their stories with such a wonderful generosity of spirit. If anything within this episode has been upsetting for you, please reach out and call the dedicated LGBTIQA plus helpline switchboard on 1800 184 527 or Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Kids Helpline 1800 555 1800.